As to the message for the day, did you read the title, Who is the Church? I saw this on a church marquee one time. Have you figured it out yet? (laughs) I have two sources that I use for daily devotions and meditations every day. One is the upper room, and one is a book of uh, prayers called Jesus Listens by Sarah Young. And a few weeks ago, one day, a scripture from Isaiah in the upper room spoke to me. And the very next day, the scripture from Jesus Listens reiterated what God was trying to tell me. Have you ever had that happen? As Quinn read our beginning scripture from Isaiah 41, 5 through 10, you might be thinking, Jan Marie, why in the world are you bringing us a message on idol makers? Bear with me. Let's think about the words in the idol makers process, but let's think about them in the light of how God needs us as a meeting to work together. Encourage one another. Be strong. For those of you who have ever played on a team sport, I'm sure you remember, excuse me, remember the team members saying, go, be strong, let's go. Good, they say, it's coming along fine. And carefully they joined the parts together, then fastened it in place so that it wouldn't fall over. Isn't that what Deep River Friends is about? We don't just come together on Sunday mornings and poof, we have a worship service. Dwight Osborne don't just decide to come up here one Friday and poof, we have a barbecue. Someone in Quaker Women does not just decide, oh, it's time for chicken pie. I better run on up to the meeting and get that done. What is the old adage? It takes a community to raise a child. Well, folks, it takes all of us to operate this meeting. God didn't just say in this scripture, look, they all worked together and got it done. He went on to say in verse 10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold up you up with my victorious right hand. I came to Deep River, friends, a little over a year ago. You had just lost your pastor who had served with you for 20 years. There were several things happening, and some of you discovered that there were a lot more things that you had allowed the pastor to do other than bring messages and maybe visit the shut-ins. Many learned quickly that someone had to step up and take care of those things. And I have observed the wonderful spirit of this meeting in taking care of business. You know, it's very easy for all of us to take for granted that things will continue to get done. Come to meeting every Sunday and enjoy a wonderful time of worship together. 
but I'd like you to take a minute to consider what if. What if the building isn't maintained? What if the grass is not cut? What if the electric service is turned off? What if no one prepares a bulletin or no one contributes information to put in that bulletin? What if Mark decides he just doesn't feel like doing music today? These what ifs can go on and on and on. I, for one, am very thankful that someone has stepped up to do all these things. Friends, it takes a community to run a meeting. Yes, there's been lots of discovery in the last year. A lot of things that had to be done in order to keep the meeting going. There's been a lot of self-discovery about this meeting with the activities that the transition team has asked you to be a part of. This has been very important in preparing to call a pastor, but I think more important to realize that individually we must all get off the sidelines and become a team member in order to keep this meeting going. Even when we do get a new pastor, we should not, we cannot just sit back and expect her or him to do it all. Right now, I would like to ask Susie to step up and read 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. That's my size. I'm reading out of the Good News Bible. And let me just say thank you to Barbara for those kind words for my father-in-law. He was the best one there was ever. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit gives them. There are different ways of serving, but the same Lord is served. There are different abilities to perform service, but the same God gives ability to all for their particular service. The Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person for the good of all. The Spirit gives one person a message full of wisdom, while to another person the same Spirit gives a message full of knowledge. One and the same Spirit gives faith to one person, while to another person he gives the power to heal. The Spirit gives one person the power to work miracles, to another the gift of speaking God's message, and to yet another the ability to tell the difference between gifts that come from the Spirit and those that do not. To one person he gives the ability to speak in strange tongues, and to another he gives the ability to explain what is said. But it is one and the same Spirit who does all this. As he wishes, he gives a gift, different gift to each person. Thank you, Susie. Paul was writing to the Corinthians because he knew they were in trouble. They had steered off the path. Instead of building up and unifying the church, the issue of the spiritual gifts were splitting the church. And this was a terrible misuse because spiritual gifts should build up the meeting. They should always help the meeting function more effectively. 
God is completely involved in giving, using, and empowering of gifts. Specific gifts, places of service, and activities vary, but they all have their best effects when they build up the body of Christ, the church. God creates a unique place in the body for every believer. Gifts and ministries may overlap, but each believer has a specialized God-designed role. Part of the exciting adventure of following Christ involves discovering one's service contribution and then making it available to God. Later on today, we are going to be asking you to think about what your specific gifts are and how they can be used to build up the meeting. And now I'd like to ask Lee to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. Thank you, Jane Marie. I am reading from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, verses 12 through 27, chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Thank you, Lee. As Lee just read, the Bible tells us that we are one body with many parts. Paul compares us to the body of Christ. Each part has a specific function that is necessary to the body as a whole. Oftentimes, we Christians commit the error of being proud of our abilities or others might think that they have nothing to give. 
Instead of comparing ourselves to one another, we should use our different gifts together. All parts make for a functioning body. The church is composed of many types of people from a variety, oh, excuse me, from a variety of backgrounds with a multitude of gifts and abilities. It's easy for this difference to divide people as it was the case in Corinth. But despite our differences, believers have one thing in common, faith in God. On this essential truth, the church finds unity. All believers are baptized by one Holy Spirit into one body of believers, the church. We do not lose our individual identities, but we have an overriding oneness in Christ. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and we are born into God's family. And as members of God's family, we may have different interests and gifts, but we are united by the Spirit into one spiritual body. Paul argued for diversity of gifts and acceptance of the full range of gifts that God gives to his people. No one should feel superior about his or her gift. All should use their gifts willingly to serve. We should all treat our gifts as valuable to God. At the beginning of the service, I explained how the Spirit spoke to me through two different devotionals on two different days. On June the 30th, the scripture in the upper room was Isaiah 41.10, and it read, and I believe God was telling us, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And the very next day, on July 1st, the scripture from my Jesus Listens book was Isaiah 41:13. For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. And at that time, I felt the Spirit telling me, this is not only for you, Jamarie, I want you to share this message with the meeting. And God is telling us all, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am here to help you. However, I also feel we, the meeting, should think about the whole picture of the transitions that we are undertaking. I really don't feel like God was saying, I'll take care of this. I feel he's telling us, You've thought about your past, you're dealing with your present, and you need to think about how to work together to get to where you are going in the meeting. But not to worry, I will help you with this. What a wonderful promise. After worship this morning, we're going to continue thinking about our talents and our gifts. In addition to choosing and calling a pastor, 
we must consider the necessary components which our various committees and leaders provide to keep this meeting going. How we all must encourage each other and work together to get things done in our meeting. What gifts each of you have that you can and should contribute to the service of God through stepping up to use that gift for his glory. What can we do together as team players in keeping our meeting a well-oiled and operating smoothly machine? When we do get a pastor, that person can work on things as you, the congregation, have identified as your pastoral needs and your spiritual guidance. While we, as a meeting, can continue taking care of business. The transition team will compile and report all the thoughts and ideas that you have contributed as a meeting. The search committee will take this as well as other crucial components, finding someone who's compatible, finding someone who is available, negotiating salary, benefits, whatever is needed. And speaking to this, friends, it takes money to operate a meeting. It takes funds to pay a pastor. It takes funds to pay the electric bill. It takes funds to pay the secretary. But perhaps that's a message for another day. We, the members, need to be in constant prayer that God will lead the search committee to the one he desires to become the pastor and to support them in their endeavors. I have felt the spirit of Deep River Friends meeting. I have seen how you can pull together to get things done. I have witnessed your support for one another. We got this, people. All we need is for everyone to become less of a spectator and more of a team player. I'd like to read this prayer through which the Spirit spoke, excuse me, spoke to me and began this whole consideration of how I and you can be a servant to God. Let us pray. Infinitely wise God, we know that you are good, but your ways are often mysterious. When we look at world events with so much rampant evil, it's easy for us to feel fearful and discouraged. We find it impossible to fathom why you allow such cruelty and suffering. Of course, we recognize that you are infinite and we are not. There are so many things that are simply beyond our ability to comprehend. Thankfully, every time we reach the limits of our understanding, we can keep moving onward by relying on our trust in you. Help us to stay in communication with you through silent and spoken prayers, trusting in you with all our hearts instead of leaning on our understanding. We don't want to be stuck in a presumptuous posture of demanding to know why things happen as they do. We realize it's much better to ask, how do you want me to view this situation? 
and what do you want me to do right now? Though we can't change the past, we can start with the present moment and seek to find your way forward. Lord, teach us to trust you one day at a time. Let us hear you whispering this precious assurance. Do not fear, I will help you. We ask this in your trustworthy name, Jesus. Amen.